This is the Kingdom Mogul Podcast. We help you grow your faith as you grow your business. And now, your host, Jesse Cole. Welcome to the Kingdom Mogul Podcast. I am your host, Coach Jesse Cole. Thank you for joining us today. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for your family and for your business. I'm also excited about what God is doing to you, through you, for you, and in you. Today's conversation is going to be great. I have my friend on, Mr. Antoine Jackson. He is an author, a speaker, a coach. He's also a minister and a kingdom business leader. And we talk about a lot of things during this conversation but one topic that sticks out the most, and I think you're really going to get some, some value out of this particular topic, is identifying your generational curses and then making the decision to move forward. He's going to be sharing some strategies and some, some tips and some ways to make sure that we do that so that we can become the better version of ourselves. I want you to download this episode so you can go back later and listen to it. Make sure you share it. And also... We want to encourage you to leave a five-star review. So no matter what platform you're on, make sure you leave a review so we know that you're listening. That also gives us an opportunity to be seen in the marketplace for people who really need this message. All right, here we go. Mr. Antoine Jackson here on the Kingdom Mogul Podcast. Antoine, welcome to the show, sir. Oh, man, thank you so much. I appreciate that introduction. I was like, who's he talking about? But I appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate it, man. No problem, man. And so, you know, we've been connected for a couple of years now, man, and um, we respect each other's work and I respect what you're doing and, and what God is doing to you. So can you talk about how you're demonstrating kingdom as a father, as a newly husband and as a business leader? Like what does kingdom look like to you in, in, in that respect? Absolutely, man. So yeah, I, you know, as a father, um, I have a beautiful 11 year old or soon to be 11 year old daughter. And, and I'm, I constantly say that I'm doing kingdom warfare as a father. Um, I come from a home where there was no father present. And so the fact that I'm being a father, the fact that I'm striving to be a good father, and every so often even I hear from my daughter, like, you're a great daddy, you know, that, that lets me know that I'm doing kingdom warfare, I'm doing kingdom business, and, and I'm, I'm tearing down generational curses by being a present and an involved father in my daughter's life. And certainly, even as being a husband, um, this is, I, I speak very transparently, and so I was married prior to um, married at the early age of 18 and we were divorced at 29. And so um, being able to be married again after going through, the, through a period of growth and healing and, and, and therapy um, and talking to God about everything, I was able to marry a beautiful young lady just almost a year ago now. And we have been even still tearing down generational curses. We come from um, very diverse backgrounds, but there's some small similarities that exist. And one of the, the things that exists um, in both of us is that we have a desire to see God's kingdom be fulfilled here in the earth. And so um, we're tearing down darkness. My wife is a therapist. And so she's working with individuals to help them get steady or remain steady. And so we're doing kingdom warfare is what I like to say over here at the Jackson household, whether we're being a husband, whether we're being a father, even in the entrepreneurship phase, um, we're tearing down generational curses of poverty. Um, I, I speak very, very freely and say that I grew up in poverty. 
No, literally, we did the food stamps. We did welfare. Um, I talk about the first through the eighth of the month. We had money. After that, we know where it was coming from, man. So uh, even as an entrepreneur, man, we're, we're, we're doing kingdom business. And I think ultimately, when you think about a kingdom, a kingdom is one where there is dominion, there is power, there is prestige, there is honor, and there's loyalty. And so in all of the areas of my life, I try to exhibit those um, characteristics and, and, and really show forth the kingdom of God. Man, you said so much there. My mind is just going, I can go in like 15 different places right now. As I'm, again, I'm a fan of yours, man. And I just really want to make sure that the people get to know who you are and, and to know your heart too. But one thing that, that you continue to say, and I wasn't even thinking about this until you said it, is that you are, you and your wife are tearing down generational curses. You're breaking generational curses. I don't, I don't think that's something that we talk about a lot, um, not just in the church, but just period. We don't talk about generational curses um, like they should be talked about in a healthy manner and not just talking about them, but how to break them for the generation coming behind us. So can you talk about some of the generational curses that are staring you right in the face that you have to fight every single day? Absolutely, man. I, I mean, the, the general, generational curse of, of poverty I mean, it stares me in the face every single day. Um, I can recall, I mean, I'm, I'm 35 years old, but I can recall, and it seems like just yesterday, living with my mom in a home where we didn't know where our next meal was gonna come from. We didn't know how we were gonna survive. Uh, my mom is diagnosed with schizophrenia. And so we lived in a home where there was mental illness present. There was an absent father. Um, my brother has a developmental disability. And so that presented its own set of challenges there. And so you couple on top of that, the fact that there's, there's not enough money or no money many days. Poverty was a real issue in our life. And so every single day, I was just sharing with my daughter yesterday, we were talking, I was sharing with her the scripture and forgive me, it's slipping my mind right now, but it's in Proverbs talks about if you sleep all day, um, it'll lead to poverty. And I was explaining to her why it's so important to start your day early. Get up, get things done, be organized, because that will help you to um, ward off and, and, and keep away from poverty. Every single day, that's one of the things that I'm facing in my life. But through sound wisdom, um, from the word of God, through tithing, through giving, I'm seeing the generational curse of poverty broken off my life. I'm seeing God open doors. God, I thank you. I'm sorry, man. I feel him already in my spirit. I, I feel, I mean, just to know that God has, has placed in my hand abilities to do things that will generate income that will allow me to um, support the kingdom financially, but to also support my family financially. We are breaking generational curses by the things that we're doing. Every time I pay my tithes, I'm breaking a generational curse. Every time I, I use the funds that God has allowed to come into my hand for the benefit of taking care of my daughter, taking care of my wife, taking care of our home. Listen, I live in a home that is paid for. I don't have a mortgage. I don't, I, I literally have no mortgage payments. It's mine, free and clear. That alone is breaking a generational curse. And watch this. I didn't have a 30-year mortgage. I didn't have a 15-year mortgage. Matter of fact, I didn't have a mortgage. <laughs> I just thank God for how he provided and made a way through a land contract for me to own my home. That's that's the power of breaking generational curses. And then I think the second one is certainly as it relates to familial relationships. Coming from a home where there it was broken, 
we had absent father. My siblings and I have different fathers, but their father wasn't present either. To know that I live in a home where my daughter can walk from her room to my room and say, hey, dad. To know that she can walk from her room to my room and say, hey, mom, who she refers to my wife, who's her stepmother. They have their own relationship that they've built. And watch this. I'm, I got to go here. Even to know that I have a solid work, re working relationship with my ex-wife, my daughter's mom. In the midst of all of this, and we all get along, man, come on, we, we, we. The enemy is sitting in hell trying to find another way to get at us because he's like, this ain't working no more. <laughs> man, hey, man, I'm so happy to hear that, man. That's, I, I, the, the word that keeps resonating with me is healthy. Yes, sir. Healthy. Yes, sir. All the way through, man, just healthy relationships, man. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that, you know, that you're blessed in that area. I want to talk about, like, how you are doing business in partnership with God. You have a, a professional track record of working in, in the corporate and non, nonprofit sector, right? And so for those of us who have entrepreneurial spirits working in those kind of environments, it can be tough, but you have, you have been successful in that. So how have you been walking with God as far as doing business in those specific arenas? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, uh, again, my grandmother's word, her voice is echoing of Matthew 6, 33. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom is, is God's way of doing things. And so in all of my positions, what I really have strived to do, while sometimes the outcome did not lead to the best, um, I've strived to always do things in a spirit of excellence, to always put my best foot forward, to understand the scripture says that whatever I do, whatever my hands find to do, do it as unto the Lord. And so even in the workplace, I've strived to do that and that's been my aim. And so as I've been nurturing and growing this entrepreneurial spirit, even in my career path, I've looked for those moments where I can be entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurial simply means that you have the willingness and the diligence to create something and to drive it. And so I've been blessed to work for some organizations that's been, that have handed me blank canvases and some paintbrushes and said, can you paint something? And so my goal and my objective in all of those roles has been to really do that. And so I found success in making sure that I'm doing it for the right reason, because your motives will oftentimes lead to a certain outcome. If your motive is pure, the outcome has to be pure. Even if it does not reach the level of success as according to world standards, if your motive is right, I believe that God will always allow it to come out well. Um, and then um, when, I, when I look at my motive in each one of those things, that's when I start to see the success. I start to hear God's voice clearly say, no, don't do this, do that. And, and, and so I found great success. I've been privileged to work for a number of organizations to lead multi-million dollar projects uh, across Southeast Michigan, helping individuals. Uh, my work has taken me to the continent of Europe. It has taken me around the United States to travel and to speak at conferences. And I think that's all because God honored me starting with him. And so for those who are listening and tuned in, if you, if you want to know the recipe for success, start with God. I know that seems elementary and simple, but literally start with God. If, you, if you, there's a job opportunity on the table, ask God, is this where I need to be? Because not every place that is offered to us is where God wants us to be. Sometimes we try to push our way in to doors and to tables that were never prepared for us. That's, um, whoo, 
Thank you, Jesus. That's some good eating right there. That's some good eating right there. As you were talking, I heard excellence and obedience. Excellence and obedience. And sometimes we can confuse excellence with perfection. Come on. Right? Or we try to compare our level of excellence to somebody else's level of excellence. And listen, you got two different budgets, right? So, so it's, so it's, it's going to look, it's going to look different. Right. And so I believe excellence is, I think we have to be obedient to the level of excellence that we can afford. Right. That's so right. does God have you right now and what does your best look like right there? Right. And so like not really comparing your level of excellence to somebody else's and being able to hear God too. And there's something that you wrote in your book. Um, and I have it right in front of me. This is not just a book I bought just to support this gentleman. I have dog ears all through this book, all right? So I want you guys to know that when you support people, it's good to buy the book, but read the book, right? <laughs> and, and, and apply the principles, man. Um, and so on page 14, you talk about this. And it really hit me because I, re I reread it right before our talk today. And this is actually speaking to where I am right now. It says, in order to be successful, we must learn to throw ourselves into the work. Remembering that when the going gets rough, as it sometimes will, we must take it on the chin, knowing that in our lives, we will undoubtedly become acquainted with failure, disappointments, mistakes, and impossibilities, right? Throwing ourselves into our work and into our assignment. Like sometimes we can get weary in well-doing. Sometimes we can get weary in this work. And um, I was going through a time recently where like I was feeling weary. I was feeling like, okay, God, trying to be obedient to what you told me to do. I'm helping people. I'm in my assignment, but it just seems like it's, it's not working. It's not working. So it's like, it's, it's, not, it's not going at the speed that I wanted to go at, right? Yeah. What I heard was be diligent. Like just be diligent. Be diligent. Can you talk to that? Absolutely, man. You know, I, I have found my greatest success in the places that I never thought that I would find it. But it was in those moments where I hunkered down and became diligent to that work, to that moment, when I remained present in that moment. Sometimes we get this, um, we, we become too futuristic in our thinking. Oh, I just, if I can get there, if I can get there. And I believe God is oftentimes asking us, what have you done with here? What have you done with here? What have you done with what I've placed in front of you today? Um, my, my, I was, again, talking to my daughter, sharing with her. I said, isn't it amazing how God never said to pray about tomorrow or pray about yesterday? He simply says to pray about today. He says, give us this day our daily bread. He wants us to learn how to be present in the moment. So when I use the term in the book about throwing yourself into the work, another way of thinking about that is to be present in the moment, to, to be present on what you're working in and to be diligent. Give your all to that. If you're writing a book, give your all to writing that book. If you're working a job, give your all to writing that job. And, and I understand we, we live in a day where people have, in my opinion, overcorrected. Um, and so now we're, you know, we, we are depriving our families of our time and giving more time to our jobs or our entrepreneurial exploits. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I don't, I, I say this often, I don't necessarily believe in balance when we talk about life, about balance, because yeah, yeah but I do believe in harmony. <laughs> and, and I believe that when the alto sing their note and the tenor sings their note and the soprano sing their note, although they are each 
um, exerting a certain level of energy that's different than the other, when it comes together, it makes such a beautiful melody and because they have reached harmony. And so what I believe is that when we reach a place of saying, God, I want harmony in my life, God begins to blow on the instruments of our lives and he begins to cause this sound to come forth out of our lives. So now I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm also an author and I'm also a dad and I'm also a husband. But when you hear all of those things together, you hear this wonderful sound. You hear that one sound and that wonderful sound. That's what I believe, but, but it can only be if I throw all of myself into it. So I can't give half of myself to being a husband. I can't give half of myself to being a father. I have to give all of Antoine. My daughter it has the entrepreneurial spirit. And so to be able to sit with her, we just recently, um, she received her LLC filing back. And so she's so excited and she's been asking me questions about this. And so now we've been working on, I'm showing her how to prepare her inventory and how to order inventory and, and, and get it packaged and et cetera. That's a part of Antoine that I get to pour out. And so I wanna pour all of that into her. When you are doing it, I promise you, you're gonna you're going to run up against some obstacles. Don't, listen, don't let the smooth taste fool you. You see me now, <laughs> but, but I've had my fair share of dark days and moments where I said, forget it, I quit, I'm done. But I had to remember, as, as Brother Jesse has already said, just be diligent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I truly believe this, and I'm going to stop talking. I believe this. I believe many times God allows us to remain in the tough situations because he's not trying to produce the success on the other side. He's trying to produce the diligence inside of us. Because many times, and we've seen the, the images, especially on social media, two guys are digging in a tunnel and the one who decides to stop had just about that much left before he reached the goal. But the other guy who decided not to stop had this much left, but he kept going. I believe that God literally leaves us in certain situations because he wants to know, are you only committed to reach the place of success or are you committed in the process? Yeah because that process is what's gonna make you so that not you won't have just a temporary success. You're gonna have continual successes because you've learned how to be diligent. Yeah, that's some good eating right there. If you're listening, take a moment, chew on that. If you're writing notes, write that down. If you're not writing notes, grab a pen and paper and rewatch and re-listen to this because God is doing something on this call right now. He's doing something on this broadcast right now. I'm telling you, somebody needs to hear this. You've been working in your own speed, but you haven't been acknowledging God, right? Acknowledge God in all you do, right? He'll, he'll direct our path. I remember, I remember my dad preached this sermon. He was talking about uh, living, living sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And he preached, he preached about six, five, six years ago. And this one phrase sticks out to my life and it's so vivid, I'm a picture guy. He says, he was reading from, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and, holy and acceptable to God, right? And so he was like, the problem with being a living sacrifice is that we have the option to crawl off the altar. Yes, sir. The problem with being a living sacrifice is that you, you can make a decision to stay on the altar or to crawl off, to crawl off when it gets tough, to do your own thing, to lean on your own understanding, when, 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 when you can't understand what God is doing right now, you kind of go back and revert back to what you know. And, 
it didn't work then, so why is it going to work right now, right? And so you were talking about being in the moment and like prospering where you're planted. Be committed to the process. Be obedient to whatever that moment requires. And God is going to bless your obedience, but you have to stay committed and you got to stay diligent, man. Absolutely, man. You know, I'm thinking about one of my favorite Bible stories is that of David, but I'm thinking about David's introduction um, really came by way of Saul's disobedience. Saul was commanded by the prophet, by God, through the prophet, to go and kill all the Amalekites. He said, don't leave anything alive, kill everything, small, large, kill everything, and destroy everything. But the Bible says that um, the prophet Samuel came and he found Saul. And as he was approaching Saul, he asked him a question. He says, um, did you do what God said do? I'm paraphrasing now, but he says, did you do what God said do? And he says, oh, yeah, I did. And he, Samuel's question was, well, why do I hear the lowing of sheep and oxen? Why, why do I hear the sound of what I told you to destroy? And so um, Saul begins to give this explanation of, well, we took the finest of things and we kept them because we thought that we could sacrifice them to you, um, to, the, to the Lord. And Samuel's response um, by, through God was, I, I don't want your sacrifice. I want your obedience. Because what has to happen is, and this goes to your, your, your dad's point in the sermon about, we have the choice of getting off the altar. I got on the altar out of obedience. And it's going to be obedience that keeps me on the altar. It won't be my sacrifice. And that's what happens is sometimes we get off the altar and say, well, I'll just give a little bit extra money or, or I'll just do this. We, we, try to, we try to go a different way or use a different plan. And God said, no, the plan that I wanted was for you to kill everything. I wanted everything to be destroyed. And that's the place where we have to get to where, where we recognize that the greatest, oh God, I hear you. The greatest indication of excellence will be your obedience to God. Listen, it may never reach the standard of excellence according to your friends or according to the world standard. But if I've been obedient, let me tell you something. There's been some work that I've done that I promise you by the world standard was not excellent. But when I go back and I think about I was obedient strictly to what the Lord told me to do. And I've seen, watch this, I've seen the residual effects of it because, because that successful moment has lasted. It has been sustained. And I think that we, that comes out of our obedience. We can talk about Joseph from the Bible. Joseph had an excellent spirit. He wanted to do everything in excellence, but above all, he was obedient. Yeah. His obedience is what led him to the pit, which is what led him to the prison, which is what led him to the palace. Can you be obedient long enough to see the outcomes of what you've been praying for? We have to practice this thing of obedience. And listen, the altar, I know it's a bloody place. <laughs> I know it's a place of denying ourselves. But I'm one to tell you, the altar is a place of promotion. The altar is the place where God says, okay, I can, I can move that out the way. I can get this out the way because I want to use this. This is what I want to use. And that's the thing he starts to promote but you've got to get on the altar and you got to stay on there. I'm, I'm not, 
and, and, and can I just speak very clearly to there's there may be a husband who's listening right now and you're like but I I'm struggling right now and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make this happen for my family and they don't seem appreciative just continue being obedient stay on the altar stay in that place because I promise you God will never you may never hear me sit, make a guarantee, but I can make this guarantee because it's in the Bible. God will never ask you for something that he's not willing to give you back or double. I'm with you, Doc. Listen, I've lost some things. Jobs, houses, cars, money, I've, people, watch, I've lost some things. But when I, when, if I show you the outcome, if I show you the ladder, Listen, your ladder will always be greater than your former, but you got you gotta you gotta you gotta hold on to the truth that okay, I don't like what I'm feeling right now. I don't like what I'm going through. And let me put a pin there and say, God ain't mad at you when you say that either. We have not a high priest that cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmity. No, no, but but in every point he was tempted. He, he okay with your emotions. You just got to be okay with your emotions and let him do what he's going to do. Man, obedience produces fruit that remains. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For those of you who are like, okay, I was, I heard God say this. And I did a little bit of it, but I didn't do the whole thing. Listen, 99% obedience is 100% disobedience. That's right. That's right. Be 100% obedient to what God is telling you to do, even if you got to stand alone waving that flag on the hill by yourself. Mm -hmm. Even if everybody else don't understand, even if you don't understand, maybe you're looking for the next five steps. And God said, I'm going to give you this one step, right? The Bible says that God, like thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Listen, you don't need light if you can see. That's right. right? If, if you're on this path and you can see, you don't need that light, but that light gives you one step at a time, right? That, that, that's where faith comes in. Faith, is connect, faith connects your present and your future and obedience helps you along the journey. Like you have to be obedient. Absolutely. It's a non-negotiable. Like, like my obedience is non-negotiable if, if I'm going to see the success God wants me to see. Yeah. So talk about, you know, you have several books out um, and I want to make sure that you get an opportunity to talk about them. You have, what, three, three, three or four books out? Am I wrong, right? Yep, six books. Okay, I'm way behind. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, no, God is blessed to write six books, yeah. I, I know of three. I know one um, is, you know, No More Later. So talk about why you wrote that book. Like, what was the, the thought or the experience that prompted you to write that book? Sure. Yeah, so, so No More Later was written honestly, after doing a couple sessions at a high school, um, a friend of mine had called me in and asked me if I would do a couple sessions talking to high school juniors who were rising to be seniors. And what I wanted to talk to them about was procrastination, because I recalled at that particular time in my life as a junior going into my senior year, man, I was procrastinating on everything. Everything was last minute. I, you know, term paper was due. I'd write, I'd be up all night writing the term paper. Sadly, I got an A on the term paper too. You know, and I say sadly because it just, it only just kept this habit of procrastination going. And so I, I say in the book that by the time I reached um, my high school graduation, I had put the pro in procrastination. I was a pro at it. I was doing it. And so I really wanted to capture that talk that I had done with the students 
in the form of a book because I wanted to put something tangible in their hands. And so um, when the book was initially published, I didn't even put it on the market for it to be sold. I just simply handed it off to these students because I wanted them to have something tangible to hang on to. But the book just really evolved. I started getting calls from parents of students who had the book like, is there an adult edition of this? And I'm like, well, I mean, I guess you could apply it if you want to or whatever. And so the book just really morphed from there. It turned into a, a few additional um, speaking engagements, talking to the high school students, even talking to middle school students and college students, just about the importance of not procrastinating. And, and really in the book you see, I, I, I try to thread through all of my books, the scriptures. And even the Bible tells us about not procrastinating. It tells us about being diligent. It tells us about getting it done. And so um, the book has just really done well. And, and I, I appreciate all the support. I mean, I appreciate it. You know, let me, let me say this to your audience. Uh, Brother Jesse is no faker. I mean, literally, he read the book and sent me an email like, hey, bro, I like this point. I like that point, page numbers and everything. And then watch this. He even said, you know, you probably could expand the book and talk about this here. And so I, I appreciated that diligence, man. And I appreciated that feedback. And if the Lord says the same, there will be a part two of no more later. So it's not a coincidence that you were talking about procrastination because that's where my finger was. All right. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. that's what Holy Spirit does when you, when you, when you're aligned. Right. And so um, I think it's page 47. Mm -hmm. You talk about defeating procrastination. Yes, sir. Um, defeating procrastination will require that we stop making excuses for our poor decision-making skills and for our, our inability to get things done. That's man. Listen, making excuses is one of the easiest things we can do. Making excuses is, is, is not a characteristic of, characteristic of excellence. Why do you think that people make excuses for like not being who God called them to be? Because it's easy. I, I, I know that's probably you weren't expecting that simple of an answer, but it's easy. Let me, let me say, I can find an excuse to not do something. I, I say this to my young people all the time. And I say my young people I have the privilege to serve. Um, as a, a youth leader in my church. And I say to them often that um, they say, well, I'm going to press my way to get to Bible study. I'm going to press my way. And while I understand the church lingo, I've been trying to get them out of that terminology because when they're ready to go to the mall to get the latest pair of gym shoes, they don't have to press their way. Yeah. They just go to the mall. And so we have, we have conditioned ourselves to look for the easy way out of everything. And so when you think about making excuses to not be who God has called you to be, it's so easy. Well, I don't want anybody to talk about me. I don't want to have to stand alone and, alone and wave this flag. I don't, I don't want the accountability that comes along with it. Let me tell you something. You, you, you. <laughs> I hear my grandmother's voice again. You have, you have two options in life, to do nothing and be talked about or to do something and be talked about. Either way, if your reason for not doing something, especially doing the will of God in your life, is because of what somebody may say or think, I'm sorry. You will never escape the judgment or condemnation or the opinion or criticism of people. And so beyond that excuse, I mean, every other excuse I, I, I say this often in my speeches to young people. I want you, next time you come up with an excuse, write it on a sheet of paper and then think of everything opposite of that excuse. 
and tell me how many times can you come up with you doing it and not using that excuse. Yeah. I guarantee you're going to come up with at least 20, 20 ways that you can get it done devoid of that excuse. You have to make the choice and you have to make the choice that I don't want the easy way. I, I'm okay with taking the hard way. And when I say the hard way, the hard way is getting past me. Because the task is not hard. I promise you it's not. It's, it's you. You're, I think I say in this book, and, and forgive me, I can't remember, or it's one of my books, I say that you are the biggest obstacle that you'll ever get past. Yeah. You're the, you're the biggest. Because of those limiting beliefs, man. Whether you put them there or they were put there when you were a kid, you still got to face that stuff, man. And so what you're talking about is a method that I use in my coaching where I have somebody get a piece of uh, paper, write, a, write a, a line down the middle. On one side, I want you to write down why you can't do it, why you feel like you can't do it, limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, I say, okay, now what is the total opposite of that? And I'll, I'll call that limitless beliefs. Mm-hmm. And typically, when they get done writing down, you know, why they can't do it, the side, that, the side that's on the other side is more than why they can't do it. I'm like, okay, so now, now we understand your limiting beliefs, why you feel like you can't do it. So every time you think this thought, look at the total opposite. And I want you to talk, I want you to say that to yourself. And I want you to begin to move in that direction every single time, because it's, 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 it's a training that we have to do. We have to renew our minds. That's it. That's it. Yes, sir. So that's no more later. Mm-hmm. But you just you have a new book on the market that just hit and it's getting rave reviews of the marketplace is responding wonderfully to it. Um, it's called The Distorted Reality, right? It's, it's a book about mental wellness. But talk about where that book came from and why you think so many people are embracing that message. Yeah. So this book, um, to be quite honest, has been a lifetime in the making. Um, it this book is my story of being the son of a parent with mental illness. And so it's called Distorted Reality, Living in the Shadows of Parental Mental Illness. And uh, I have been sitting on this book. I'm sorry, I'm losing like words because I, I feel bad. Let me just say this. I had to repent before the Lord because the response to the book, the Lord told me a long time ago, this was going to be the response and greater. But I remained living in fear worried about what people might think. You know, I didn't want anybody to think I was trying to get rich off my mama or, or make fun of or make light of her situation. And by far, that's certainly not even the situation. But this book, I first talked about writing this book when I wrote a term paper for my senior year of high school. So you're talking 18 years ago. And I kept putting it down, kept putting it down. And then um, back in 2016, I was privileged to write an op-ed piece for CNN's Impact Your World, and it was for National Mentor, um, I'm sorry, National Mental Health Awareness Month, the month of May, wrote this op-ed, and just people from around the world start sending me emails like, this is great, thank you for sharing my sto- your story, this has, you know, empowered me, this has given me this, I, I really wish there was a book where I could go and read and learn about somebody else's experience, and so I started writing the book and put it down again. And so this year, uh, show you how God works, December of 2019, uh, the Lord took me away from a job. And he was like, do I have your attention now? And like, literally I heard, I, I could hear Holy Spirit saying, get the book. And so I picked it up, finished the chapters. I literally had two chapters to finish. 
finished the chapters, sent them over to the editor, and we got the book um, started in the process. And so the pandemic hit, kind of slowed everything down. And the, the Lord, I was going to use the pandemic as an excuse. And Holy Spirit said, oh, so you, go, you think that a pandemic can stop what I'm trying to do? And so, I mean, when I tell you he threw the resources at me to make it happen and to get it done, he did that. Um, someone called me and said, hey, I want to write a press release for you. I was like, well, you know, what's your fee? I was already shopping around. It was like, well, don't worry about it. A benefactor has already paid for the services. Like, huh? Like, yeah, we, we're, we're covering the services for you for free. I'm like, well, free to you, but somebody, you know, and I'm like, how, how does this, you know, and the the response has been tremendous. I mean, we've we've been fortunate to sell over 700 copies of the book, and the book just was released July 14th, um, officially released. We had pre-orders. I'd never done really intentional pre-orders, but people responded. People ordered the books, and so this book tells the story of my mom and I's experience growing up her being a mom in a home with two other children, um, but having a mental illness. Um, I talk very candidly about how that looked, the, the struggles. I talk about the first through the eighth that I mentioned earlier, you know. First through the eighth, we were the wealthy household because we had food stamps and disability benefits. Uh, but after that, uh, yeah, it was iffy, you know, what would happen. Um, I talk candidly about the fact of the matter that um, you know, I attempted suicide as a teenager because I felt like it was all too much. I talk about how my my faith plays a role in how I've been able to cope. And then I talk about resilience in the book, which is probably, probably if I could sum the book up, that's really what I wanted to convey to people. That no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, whether it be a physical ailment in your own body, mental illness in your own body, or someone else's, um, that you have the opportunity to bounce back. And what's, what's greater in, what makes your bounce back greater is when you have God, when you're connected to him. And so, and I talk candidly about going to therapy. I'm a firm believer in therapy. I have the Holy Ghost. I'm Bible believing, I'm baptized, I'm tongue talking, and I have a therapist. <laughs> and so, um, and I, I, don't, I don't think God's upset about that. Um, the, one of the reasons that the Bible says that the voice of God uh, walked through the cool of the day in the garden so that Adam and Eve could talk to him. So I, God ain't upset with you about talking. <laughs> he don't want you to be a busybody and a gossip, but he ain't upset with you about talking through what you're dealing with. So the book is just, I mean, I, I did uh, got a copy over here and I'm, I'm just, I'm elated, man. I'm, I'm thankful for all of the support people have been given. Um, this is, I've been told it's a great read and it's one that has helped people. Um, I've been getting emails literally from as far as Australia um, has been the furthest now from an individual who has now um, began to actually get help and services for their mental illness, knowing that it impacts their child's life. So thank you brother for, you know, um, reading and you know i certainly look forward to hearing your review i'll, I'll be looking for your email like hey you said this <laughs> i just i just think it's it's important that we give each other you know um positive feedback man because sometimes we can feel like we are here by ourselves, or people are knowingly or unknowingly competing with us and they don't have to 
And I'm like, listen, this is this is kingdom work. It's enough out here for everybody. If it's if it's in my power to do it, I'm not losing anything by supporting you. That's you know right. what I'm saying? Like, we can we can be speaking on the same conference. And I'm like, listen, Antoine got an assignment. Mm -hmm. Jesse got an assignment. It's somebody here who need what both of us have. Let's go ahead and rock this stage out for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Listen, all this competition, especially amongst kingdom-minded people, listen, God, God ain't pleased with that. I, I've never believed that he is. And, you know, one of the things I have appreciated about our connection over the years is that, I mean, you have, honestly, let me just say this. I feel like you have reached out to offer more things than I have. And so I got to I gotta step my game up and do better. Let me, that's, let me just say that. Um, but I, I have appreciated, man, every time you send an email or you've called or you send an inbox just to say, hey, brother, I like what you're doing. I appreciate you. Um, I'll share with you. I recently ordered your book, um, um, Lead With No Apologies. And the reason I ordered that book is because I'm faced with an opportunity to lead mm. right now. And I went through a period of imposter syndrome. Mm. I mean, it literally lasted for about, about almost two and a half weeks. Wow. But starting to read your book has freed my mind. And if the Lord should say the same in 30 days, there'll be a wonderful announcement coming out about something that I've decided to go ahead and take on. But it was it was you. You you had the answer. You had the solution and the support. And I think as we start talking about kingdom platforms and doing kingdom work, when we understand that each one of us has an answer and a solution to each other and to others, we'll stop this whole com competition and competing thing. Listen, I agree with you. If we're on the same ticket, speaking at the same conference, I'm gonna be in your session with my notebook listening because I know Jesse is about to pour and I want my receptacles right there open, ready to be filled up to get everything that Jesse has. But if we, if we keep this competition thing going, we're going to, this is personally what I believe, we're going to wind up being scooted off the platform by the hand of God. Because if, if you, when you get to the platform, you're more concerned about pushing your name and your own agenda and not that of God, he will remove you. Yeah. I just told you about Saul. Saul was more interested in his own agenda. David just happened to be in the position where God said, no, this is who I'm going to use because he ain't worried about his own agenda. He's a man after my own heart. If we can keep that as our focus, we're going to see success. So brother, I openly and publicly say to you, I, I appreciate your support. I appreciate your feedback. I appreciate what you have given. And um, believe me, that, that book, I have a whole bunch of pages turned down. I've, I've, I've I've highlighted probably a good 28 pages. <laughs> and I, I've been using it even for my time of meditation and prayer in the morning, just yeah. sitting there digesting what you've written and, and reading the word with it to, to deal with this. Cause I understood it was a spirit Yeah, man. And, and literally the, your name came and I went to your site and I ordered the book immediately so I can get it in my hands. Cause I needed it. Um, I, I really needed the substance that's in there. And it has blessed my life. So please, please know, brother, I appreciate you. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate your support. And just for those kind words, man, it really, that right there just re-energized me, man. Yeah. Um, just know that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It re-energized me. What can, what can you say to encourage and equip the person 
who is on the edge right now, who just wants to give up. They, they know that God has given them an assignment they, and they don't have the clarity to move forward. So they're on the edge of going back to where they came from because it just, it's too familiar. It's like, it's familiar. They know what it looks like back there. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that person who just doesn't have the strength right now to press forward in their assignment? I would say to them, there is nothing behind you that you needed for today that you don't already have. Um, we, are, we are tempted to go backwards because we, we remember the place of comfort. We remember, I had a good job back then, or I had a good relationship back then, or the house was, uh, was, was, was calmer back then. And so we, what, we're, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to manufacture an old feeling in a present moment. And what we're getting ready to do is manufacture disaster. God is all-knowing. And the feelings that you have right now of like, this is too much, it's not working, I'm on the edge. God's aware of that. He's aware of why you feel it. And above anybody else, he knows the source of it. And so what I would encourage you to do in this moment is to settle yourself. When you're on the edge, um, thinking back to high school, being in the ROTC program, and we were getting ready to repel off the 18-foot tower. And I'm, I'm trying to stand on the edge, and I feel like I'm teeter-tottering. I'm worried if one of my classmates are going to push me or not. The instructor said, have a seat sit down on the edge and calm yourself. He says, and when you stand up again, just lift on off. And the, 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 the cord, I forget the name of, the, they would do the rest of the work. This is the moment where you just need to calm yourself. Stop trying to fix everything. Be anxious for no thing, but everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. That's what I love about God's peace. It doesn't have to be understood. It's just his peace. And so in this moment, I would encourage you to calm yourself, settle yourself, take a seat. You know, uh, I, was, I was about to make a decision before I picked up Brother Jesse's book and tell somebody no about something. And I would have prematurely missed out on a great opportunity because of, I felt like I was on the edge and I couldn't do it and all that. No, this is the moment where you gotta settle yourself, ask Holy Spirit to calm your, your, your inner being. And, and, and here's something I oftentimes say, Lord, I'm listening. You wanna know the next step? Just say, Lord, I'm listening. And listen, cause he, gon- he will tell you, I was about to use my bodies, he gonna tell you, <laughs> but listen, he's going to tell you but you, gotta, you have to be willing to sit there long enough to hear him. And sometimes, let me say this, his answer is do nothing. And you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with if he says, yeah, this is not the business. This is not the direction. This is not the time. You have to be okay with that. But, but you will never be okay with hearing any of those things if you antsy settle yourself and 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 know this I, I write this in one of the books where you are you cannot stay 
where you've been, you cannot return. You must move forward. Listen, God ain't going God God is a progressive God. He's a growing God. He's he's the same yesterday, today and forevermore. I know. But yet he's still progressing. How he revealed himself in the Old Testament, he does something new in the New Testament. So he's always moving us forward. So know that God ain't going to leave you in this place of feeling anxious. No, no, no. He has greater for you, but you got to settle yourself and hear him. Because the Bible says that after you have suffered a while, then he will settle you and establish you and give you everything you need. That's some good eating right there, man. Yes, sir. That's some good eating right there. Antoine, where can people connect with you? Where can they find you? Sure. You can find me on Facebook um, at Antoine D. Jackson. I'm also on Instagram at Antoine D. Jackson, all one word there. Um, I'm on Twitter as Mr. 100 Watt Life. Um, and then certainly you can visit my website at Antoine, A-N-T-O-I-N-E, um, jackson.org. And so there you can find information about how to book um, me for speaking engagements. You certainly find information about my book projects, my writing, um, and, and just what I'm doing in, in the world. I appreciate, you know, your support. I appreciate you outreaching. If you simply say, Antoine, I need somebody to just pray with me, listen, reach out to me. I'm willing to do that. I will pause and pray with you because if I know anything, I know that prayer does work. All right. Great segue. Can you pray us out? Absolutely, man. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks and praise. We thank you that you are all seen and all knowing. And Father, you promised in your word to never leave us nor forsake us. God, I thank you now for this platform, oh God, for this kingdom platform. Father, I ask you now that you touch Brother Jesse and his family, oh God. Father, you've said in your word that blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But Father, I thank you that in that verse you said that everything that his hands touch prosper. I'm asking that, that blessing from my brother, oh God. Let everything that he does prosper, oh God. Let there be opportunities galore in his favor, oh God. Father, I speak to the winds, oh God, and I call forth wealth and influence. I call forth opportunities, oh God, into his life. Even those who are listening today and tuned in, Father, I ask you, God, that you bless them, especially those who feel like they're on the edge. I speak peace to their minds, speak to their peace to their heart. Let peace prevail in their homes, O oh God. And God, when they feel like they don't know what to do, remind them that they can always come and talk to you in prayer. If there's someone who does not know you, Father, in the pardoning of their sins, I ask that you save them today, O oh God, that you would prick their hearts that they might receive you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Thank God and amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Kingdom Mogul Podcast. You can support the podcast by subscribing, downloading your favorite episode, and sharing the podcast via social media. Don't forget to visit kingdommogulcoaching.com to find more resources to help you grow your faith as you grow your business. Remember, what you want to become depends on your willingness to become it.